Hello and welcome to Thinking Critically, a D&D discussion, a podcast where we deep dive single word concepts or ideas within the Dungeons and Dragons 5e framework. My name is Danilo and I like all kinds of games and the crunchy mechanics that make him tick. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and I'd really appreciate a like or a follow. Today, I'm joined by Christian Borchet, the creator of the My Sound Delve app, Thank you ever so much for joining us today, Christian. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you, Danilo. So my name's Christian, and I created My Sound Delve in 2020, which was a brainchild app idea that I've had for almost a decade, looking for an enhancement for you know, sound effects, and there's just no real good interface out there for sound effects. There's great opportunity for, you know, ambient sounds, but specific sound effects tied to tabletop roleplay was, um, or is lacking. Maybe I should say was lacking Hmm. uh, until my sound delve. And um, yeah, with the pandemic and the lock-in for 2020, it, it gave me the capacity to really focus in on it. So I appreciate the opportunity to chat a little bit about it and uh, under the guise of enhancements for Mm -hmm. today's topic. Good. And thank you for teeing up our topic for me. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, today's topic is enhancement. So what what does that mean to you, Christian? Sure. So enhancements for me is essentially taking that storyline that either you as a game master have created or that you've purchased and you're running through it and how to make that more engaging for yourself as well as your players because essentially i approach the enhancements as taking that story and homebrewing it maybe making some changes to match things that i want to bring forward so one example would be magic items okay you know especially when you buy a story it's got specific magic items in there. And I like to kind of escape beyond that or, you know, swap them out. And that sometimes means augmenting that particular encounter. So that would be an, one example of enhancement. Mm-hmm. I've gotten into collecting miniatures. And these are like the, the pre-made ones. I'm not skilled enough, even though I do terrain making, uh, which I'll get into in a little bit. The, you know, painting skills uh, that's required (laughs) for miniatures is just yet beyond my comfort zone. So I buy the pre-made ones and I've been collecting them since 2003. So that was an enhancement that I did for our tabletop. And then I got into terrain making. And so I use a variety of mediums from the Hearst molds for casting with a uh, plaster, very hard plaster, Uh, I use hydrostone, and that's really good, but it's heavy, and it's great for set pieces for like a a mob or like a boss scene. Mm -hmm. And then I also use things like foam core. I use things like uh, polystyrene foam. I use things like cardboard, and using the faux finishing techniques, you can mock up something that can be good for that session. And then if you make them more modular, you can then reuse them. So, for instance, I'm running a mini campaign, Rise of the Rune Lords, coming up here on this Wednesday for seven sessions. And I'm reusing something that I created for a Starfinder session Mm -hmm. 
And it was actually a heart. So the group had to fly into this heart that was sitting in space. It was just kind of <laughs> this magical portal. And so you're yeah. walking through the, the, the portions of the heart. And so it was like red. And so I used paper mache and painted it all red. And now that it's going to be a cavern, I painted it black. And so some <laughs> of the red is coming through. So it's going to be kind of like this... You know, like you're going through lava tubes kind of thing. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of cool. So I'm repurposing that. So that's another example of an enhancement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. There's a lot there. And what I really love about this podcast is I think the thing you opened with was homebrewing pre-made encounters too in order to enhance them. And that was not on my list of things at all. So I'm really happy that <laughs> we, we, we're bringing all these ideas together. So Let's start with that one. And for people that listen, they'll know that I don't have a huge amount of experience with pre-made modules. I know of them by name only and by maybe reputation. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But in terms of running them or or having played them, I have very little experience. So I'm really going to err on, you know, rely on your expertise here in in terms of how do people enhance the pre-made modules. And I'm probably aware of the usual ways like tweaking combat encounters and sure. making things more difficult and you know, adding in NPCs. But uh, are there any kind of go-to things you use or tips or tricks that you have some experience with when it comes sure. to yeah, in- increasing the uh, enjoyment of pre-made modules? Yeah, one of the things that I like to do is live on the edge of TPK. <laughs> and that, that, that may sound terrible uh, to see your listeners, but do, do your players like you living on the edge of TPKs? <laughs> well, I, there's great reward with great risk, right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes the module that you buy builds up to like a mini boss fight, and then you know, then you've got to go through some other things, some some lesser minions, or you know, some challenges there, and so. To make it, you know, more interesting is to put in traps, to put in things that they have to rely less on combat exclusively, unless you're Mm -hmm. running just a straight, you know, dungeon crawl where it's just, you know, room after room after room of monsters. And sometimes that's fun, but -hmm. it's also nice to, 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 you know, supplant in other challenges. So, you know, your skill checks, because otherwise, why are are you building your character around certain skills if they're not Mm -hmm. utilized? And so, you know, putting those challenges in, whether they're in the module or not, can be a lot of fun, right? So Mm -hmm. every every door shouldn't be locked, shouldn't be trapped, but some should, right? And so Mm -hmm. you build some tension in the storyline. And whether it is in the module itself or not, you read through it and then you match. Now, I, I have a challenge with our player groups are typically large. So right now mm-hmm. I'm running a group with eight PCs. Wow. That makes it very hard for when you're doing minions, right? So what, what do you do? Either you throw in a whole bunch, right? So like I'm, I'm running a thing right now where it calls for six Shadow Mastiffs. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. is six a good number against eight? And you also don't want to like ramp it up so that the XP that's awarded is too high, right? So you want to kind of take a step back and look globally at that advancement 
and you don't want your characters to level up too quickly, but you also don't mm-hmm. want to level, have them level up too slowly. So it's this wonderful exchange of putting the right ingredients in. So you create that tension, you create, you know, bosses. So, you know, like the last boss battle I had, I essentially wove in more creatures. Mm-hmm. So there was two rounds with, you know, these two. So they softened them up a little bit. And then I brought in two more, right? You know, sometimes even though a creature can do certain things, as a game master, you're disallowing some things, right? So like demons can bring in more demons. Well, if you mm-hmm. don't want that encounter to last three hours, maybe you don't do that, right? Or maybe you have them bring in some lesser demons and, and not, you know, the another Vrock suddenly shows up, right? Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's, hey, it's already getting to like one thirty in the morning and uh, everybody's getting tired. So yep. keeping all of that in mind, I will weave in new individuals, uh, new creatures, to keep that tension going. And uh, and it's, like I said, we've come very close to not TPK, but we've come very, very close to you know, losing all hit points. And, mm-hmm. you know, people, you know, they've had to retreat and come back. And that really, like I said, the tension that's created by putting just enough challenge there that they mm-hmm. feel challenged, you know, so they're not walking in all overconfident and cocky, like, oh, I'm just going to, like, clear the battlefield and then just go to the mm-hmm. next combat. And so that's important. And so looking at what you've purchased or like revisiting what you've created, has it been challenging enough or not? Mm. Yeah, it's that Dark Souls balance, isn't it, of making it challenging, but then the reward is that much more gratifying. That is correct. That is correct. And then also putting in... um, Magic items in like weird places, right? So there's mm-hmm. a pool of, pool of sludge. Well, there happens to be this really awesome ring down in there, right? And so if the party mm-hmm. doesn't find it, well, that's shame on them, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> they didn't fully explore the scene before moving on. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Maybe maybe one day I'll pop my cherry and actually run something that somebody else has made. There's great content out there now. I mean, there's never been more modules available mm. at your fingertips, you know. And and so I typically will look for a module that is actually slightly higher in terms of character level match. Mm-hmm. Like I said, because I've got larger groups and so they yeah. need more challenge rating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's always the difficult part of DMing is that balance of making it uh, a tough piece of combat so they don't just cake walk their way through it and i can only imagine how tricky that is with eight players it's difficult enough for my six so eight is just a, a whole nother world that i don't even want to think about <laughs> right yeah one one time I, I thought this was this 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 worked actually fairly well so I, I had the party go through a portal and they went to a brand new universe and what ended up happening there was the cleric lost her connection to her goddess and mm-hmm. no more spells. Uh-oh. So she was like, uh, okay. Uh, she went back through the portal and disappeared right back to her universe. Mm-hmm. So that left the party needing a replacement. So they went to the local church and they found a new cleric, but that required a tithe. And so they did the same thing for a paladin because that there was another character, a barbarian that had gone back. And so they needed a tank. What that did was it set up a storyline so that the party, no matter how much loot they got, they were bound to a 20% tithe. 
<laughs> so, so I was able to give them more magic items because I knew they had to give up 20%. Mm-hmm. And so they could kind of pick through the best and give the rest to the, to the church. It also gave them local knowledge, which was helpful for storyline. Mm-hmm. Good. That's, yeah, that's quite a nice way of getting players to have that feeling of power, but having that tool in their back pocket to say, okay, but it's not forever. So, <laughs> so talking of DMing or being the games master, what has really improved the quality of your experience or the standard of your dungeon mastering? It's a bit of a awkward question in that it's it's hard to kind of have that introspection of okay, how have I got better or how have my the quality of my tables improved? But yeah, know, it's, it's it's not actually because I I'm I'm um, I overthink things a lot, <laughs> and um, so my particular group we play if we're lucky four times a year. Wow! And so <laughs> so it has it has forced me to think about ways to enhance the game so that they keep coming back because there's a two and a half hour drive, three hour drive for one guy and then to my house. And then oftentimes in the winter, especially we'll go further North toward Canada and and hole up in a cabin for an entire weekend Mm -hmm. and play. And so we're looking at, you know, three to you know six hour drive for folks to get together physically. Wow. So the, the whole pandemic thing has put us in a situation where we've been Zooming, but I hate the online play. It, it's, mm-hmm. it is just listening to myself talk for six hours at a time, yeah. and it lacks that fellowship. So ways to enhance and, and kind of buy-in is one way I did it was I give the players assignments. So they keep track of the buff. I, I made a buff sheet with Excel, right? So it's got all of the, you know, prayer, aid, you know, etc. And so, mm-hmm. you know, haste plus two um, for attack, minus two for this, right? Yeah. Or, you know, bull strength. And so you got to keep track of all, all of that stuff. And one person is responsible for that. I also put somebody responsible for hit points. I make somebody else responsible for keeping track of all the treasure. And someone was, is the scribe. And so that way, that frees me to just lead the session and not have to keep track of all the player stuff as well as all of the monsters and everything mm-hmm. that I've got enhanced and, and prepared. And since the app that I made went live in November, we've been play testing with the app. And so we've all like prepared. We've looked at our, inv- our sheet of things that our character can do, right? In terms of, I've got these weapons, I've got these spells, I've got these um, skills. How can I make a scenario inside the app that reflects that best, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's been this iterative thing, right? I mean, it's this concept that I came up with and all my players have kind of acted as advisors and beta testers. And (laughs) uh, it's been fun. And one of the enhancements that we're working on now with our developers is is the multi-attack. So it's it works really really well for lower level characters, but then as your character is advanced, or as as I'm transitioning into five e, I'm mm-hmm. looking at all of this different 
multi-attacking options with different weapons, maybe a at-will spell or spell-like effect, as well as a weapon. And so we're looking at you know linking our scenarios. So you build mm-hmm. a scenario for a magic missile, you build another scenario for your mace or you know your dagger or whatever. And if you can do both of those at the same time for one attack, we're figuring out a way um, to actually make that happen. And March is going to be our release for that. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, I really like the idea of giving the players assignments and I can see that it being an SSE for when you have eight because even when I've got six it's tricky enough to remember you know who's concentrating who's got hex on one of the 12 NPCs and I think I'm going to try and float that idea with my guys when I start back again soon to say okay who who wants that responsibility who who wants to help me help you because exactly like you said just going to free me up to really concentrate on what's important because ultimately funnily enough concentrating on who's concentrating isn't really fun or it's important but not really the game if you know what i mean the game is the interactions and what's happening and yeah the role play and then blow by blow moment to moment kind of stuff and I will, I will say one other thing that's helpful as an enhancement is, is we purchased condition cards. And so, yep. you know, if somebody is, you know, dazzled or somebody is confused or whatever, we literally lay the card on the table near the combat scene, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll put a die on it for how many rounds. Mm-hmm. And so that really helps me not forget it. That's just one yeah. way to keep track of that thing. Because it's visually right there in front of you, you literally yeah. can't can't forget about it. And so when it comes mm-hmm. back to that character's round, you just you know turn the die to the next down, number down. Yeah, I've looked at uh, little plastic rings before that have the status effects on them that you. Yeah, people hang. use tokens for things and yeah. um, you know colors for things, and you know some people will put little markers for if you've got you know six shadow mastiffs coming out, right? How do you keep mm-hmm. track of you know which number is which? And uh, and there's there's just different mnemonics for doing those things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, I know from experience that just remembering it doesn't work. And one thing I have to say is I've tried a couple of virtual tabletops to play remotely, just we're in exactly the same boat you are of having to migrate online because mm-hmm. of the world. And they have methods for marking a particular character token as blind, deaf, but it's so easy to miss in the heat when i'm like deep dm (laughs) zone it's so easy to miss some tiny little pixel you know five by five pixel icon and then it sucks to have to recon you know or you know to like go back and 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 make it you're like oh you know like somebody you know brings forth uh, an elemental or something you know to to play you know during the combat or whatever yeah you know they they forget about it they skip the turn like oh well too bad <laughs> they didn't yeah, know sorry I, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I i hate that kind of stuff just because it, it just undermines the whole thing right like if someone it, it realizes just just a little bit too late that oh oh hang on he was yeah he was concentrating on one spell so he couldn't have cast the other one that it's just kind of like oh well now we're just in the mire of well dm what do we do oh man i don't You've, the other one's dropped fine move on but yeah. it's just a lose-lose situation because the player might not have wanted to do that or whatever and whatever so anything to stop that from happening sign me up <laughs> yes uh and i don't know about you guys uh when you play but we will often drink mm-hmm. and like i said it's it's fellowship mm-hmm. and so 
we uh, especially when it when a critical occurs and so when it's on the player side everybody's really happy and when it's on the on the, the monster side everybody's not so happy right but we, <laughs> yet we still but we still yell social you know and and, uh, and we, we make make a go of it and I will say that I have found because I've I have been able to play test with my group physically. And so mm-hmm. when when somebody has a critical occurs at the table and you've got a group that is a large group, different people mm-hmm. are hanging out at the couch or, or whatever. And I mm-hmm. will say that when when like a critical hit happens or a fumble hit happens, and I'm just going to um, share share one with you. Here's a bludgeon smash. Mm-hmm. Right? You hear that at the table with our app. They're suddenly re-engaged. Boom, right? Suddenly, oh, shit, right? Of course, we're going to hear you know, social with that as well. But the yeah. same will hold true for some f- funny, and I've got a lot of, you know, funny different fumble sounds. Like, it's silly, It's but, yeah. you know, it's it's engaging, and, and ultimately, I view it as an enhancement because yeah. it's controlled by the player, right? So the way we design the app is it's it's a player tool as much as a game master tool. Mm-hmm. So you reference some of the online tools that are out there, and they're very, very, very GM-focused, right? And that was one of the things that we wanted to turn on its face and really make a player-centric tool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you can, of course, trust your players not to uh, spam. <laughs> True. Obviously, you, you mentioned before we started recording and also briefly there about your slowly transitioning to 5th edition. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask... How do you think 5th edition has been enhanced over previous editions, say 3.5 or other tabletop RPGs, older editions? Well, I have heard and experienced players and people posting stuff that 3.5 was overpowered, right? Mm-hmm. It, was, it was not balanced. It was misbalanced, right? And then Paizo took that and kind of tried to make a balancing act. And so they, they made some specific changes to it. And I have to say, I'm just getting into 5e. I mean, I've, I've got like 50 books for 3.5, so I'm very enamored with that. And mm-hmm. I don't mind the overpowered. I mean, I, I love the thought of characters as superheroes, right? And so they, they come into town, they look amazing, right? They've got all this armor, they've got some crazy <laughs> companion animal, right? I mean, it's it literally is some rock group coming to town right hmm. i mean it's just it's just just i mean think about it like like that and then they come in and they can do some really amazing uber things and if you overpower your monsters you're meeting that so i i never really loved that argument and yeah there's some characters like a druid can be incredibly powerful in 3.5 and i think that you know, what I'm hearing and what I'm starting to read about 5e, it's a little bit more, it's an attempt to be more balanced. It's an attempt to make combat flow a little bit better. And Mm -hmm. so that's cool, right? Because I mean, one of the reasons why we built the app was to make that combat flow faster. And so that's one of the things that was addressed, which I think is a good thing. And so you know, I like going to the bookstore and being able to see what's the current thing and and pick it up and play it or you know read it and 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 have it 
have some applicability to what is going on in my life. And so I've missed that, right? So I'm mm-hmm. looking at the 5e stuff. I bought it for my 12-year-old son. Uh, and he's 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 going to be teaching me a little bit <laughs> as, as we move, as I transition from 3.5 to uh, to 5e. Although I'm also playing Starfinder, which right is is a Paizo game, and it is Pathfinder in space. Love the fact that it's you know still very 3.5, although the game mechanics are challenging for combat. But I love the added starship combat, and uh, I recently participated in a Kickstarter campaign for a game called Dark Matter, which is essentially 5th edition D&D in space. So unlike Starfinder, where they nerfed magic and and kind of repackaged it, but what Dark Matter does is it takes all 5e spells and brings it forward into the future. And adds on top of that some technological and sci-fi elements. So there's still there's starship combat, you've got your lasers, your plasma, mm-hmm. but you still have all of the stuff that you've brought forward from 5th edition. So you've got all of the spells, which is really, really cool. That's just given me a great idea for my players at some point in my campaign to have them flung through some time portal into the future yeah, and then absolutely. just be like <laughs> there's lasers yeah. and you're in the middle of a like a grim dark war and <laughs> yeah so I, I'm, I'm, fl- I'm i'm looking at the idea and i've talked with a couple of my players about it and t- just to to gauge their receptiveness right so mm-hmm. and that's the way i, I lead sessions and you know, rule if you will as a, as a game master is very collaboratively so my thought is to when we do that transition and we're running our you know fantasy players as well as our starfinder players if we really like fifth edition because we know we really like the science fiction setting what about taking our science fiction characters that are playing in starfinder and having them run through like you said like some universal portal suddenly they're in a, a brand new realm plane universe whatever and all of their starfinder stuff is stopped and now for their new enhancement, they have to choose things in this new realm. So, you know, my envoy, you know, oh, maybe I'll go into Bard, right? Um, mm. Maybe I'll be a rogue, right? Maybe I'll be a, a wizard, right? Or a sorcerer or, you know, whatever. Mm. And so they're going to multi-class. They're kind of forced to. So everything from, you know, 12th level or whatever back remains static as, as Starfighter. So those books still remain viable for us. But then we've got this other thing. So we're, we're contemplating kind of doing this hybrid um, mm. thing, which means I can use either science fiction modules or I can use fantasy modules. It really is kind of a, the, the oyster opens wow. up for us. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just thinking like eight players, everybody's hybrid multi-class between settings. Man, you are a glutton for, <laughs> for complexity. <laughs> Yeah, well, one of the things about the eight players is that's on the Starfinder side. And what we've done is, luckily, I've got another um, player in my group who game masters as well. And so we, okay. we, we're taking turns. So we've got essentially right now our goal is to build up to 20 player characters in which our eight-person group can pull down from to run missions. 
Mm-hmm. So right now I'm running mission one. The other game master is running mission two. We're doing them simultaneously. And so he'll run a session or two. Then I'll run a session or two. So that way, you know, we can both play and lead. And then we'll have, because we're trying to like flush out this huge cruiser mm-hmm. starship, which requires a hundred people to operate. So we're looking at like, we're, we're staffing it up, right? And so we need like 80 NPCs and then 20 PCs, and then, you know, a, a mixture across all classes, all races, and then that way when we've got a mission coming up, we can leave the cruiser, jump on our destroyer, you know, with, with a, a commando group or whatever to yeah. run down and, and run that mission. And so what's happening is it's creating an opportunity for us to just have short sessions, And Mm -hmm. so, oh, you know, we've got a mission coming up, but only, you know, three of our eight can play. All right, well, we're just going to run a a small mission and pull down those characters that they want to play and roll with it. So somebody can have, they can create different characters and they can run different characters based on that particular mission's protocol, right? Mm. So I don't have just one character. I, I only play a barbarian or I only play one thing. No, 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 no. You can have multiples and depending on what that mission calls for, right, grab that character and move them into the mission. So <laughs> it really offers us a great amount of flexibility. Yeah. I was going to say the flexibility and the how agile that is to accommodate a group of varying size is super useful. What's What's really cool since we've been talking on this episode is how different and varied our experiences are and how we play at these games. And yet we're obviously still aligning on quite a number of topics. So obviously mine is very, very fifth edition. In fact, I am almost blinkered in my knowledge of tabletop RPGs to fifth edition solely. So there's going to be some bias in, in there. And we started playing in person uh, as i said the six players and we started maybe half the campaign in person and then we transitioned online when we were forced to do so and it's been okay it's not been without its issues mm. um you know the inevitable connection issues you know one player you know the rest of their house is just smashing netflix so they have to turn their camera off or one player's kids are acting up, so he has to step away for half an hour. You know, that's the nature of the beast. But overall, it's been relatively successful. Mm. It, it saddens me to think of the number of campaigns that have had to stop because it, the transition just doesn't work for whatever reason. So in that regard, we're, we're quite lucky. And on the other hand, some things have been enhanced by it. So... We started using Roll20 as our virtual tabletop. Mm-hmm. And the limitations of the free version became quickly apparent. I picked my words very carefully there. That's the, the nice yep. way of putting it. Um, <laughs> we, we ended up migrating to a different virtual tabletop called Foundry. And we haven't looked back since, I have to say, adding it in like dynamic lighting for example, and, and kind of field of view and fog of war, that kind of stuff just adds so much more than I could ever add to a tabletop, me personally, than I could right. ever add to a tabletop. When we were doing encounters before, I have a dry wipe. This is this is going to sound like woefully 
garbage in comparison to what you were saying <laughs> <laughs> you were doing earlier on like i'm almost embarrassed to tell you how little we had um i had a i had a dry wipe thing and some and some pens and that was pretty much it here are the walls <laughs> right here's the, here's the pillars and you know put put your figurines down is that a space marine from 40k yeah don't worry about it just put it <laughs> just 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 forget it's got a bolter that's actually a cultist today uh, that's where we were so i listen i i understand when i when i started it was the dry erase mat right and lego figurines that were <laughs> yeah. medieval lego figurines and Essentially, right, a one-inch square is supposed to be five feet, and this figurine is huge, you know, in, in, in comparison. So, <laughs> yeah. so quickly, I was like, hmm. And then Wizards of the Coast came out with these awesome sets, and so I just started buying them. Yeah, you know, I, I run a sales job, and so mm-hmm. when I would have a successful, you know, sales, and I, you know, I take a little bit of that commission, and I buy some figurines, and you know, my my collection now is. I don't know about thirty five hundred, jeez, strong. And so, yeah, yeah, it's great. But there's a complexity to like, you know, I was just uh, re reorging them. I've you know, yeah. constantly touching them and, and reorging them and keeping you know like similar things together. So, I've got a box of dragons. I got a box of demons. And I've got I've got a, a session coming up. And so, I'm, what I do is I go through, and I use baggies, little Ziploc bags, and I'll put mm-hmm. the figurine in it. And then I use these initiative cards that uh, forget Modern Twenty, I think, put it together many, many years ago. And so it's just a cheat sheet, and it's about an index card. So I fill one out. It's got all of the stats, right? AC, you know, combat, all their attributes, saving throws, everything. And then I'm able to keep track of their hit points on that sheet. And I use it as part of initiative. So we all roll for initiative, and then I put mm-hmm. all of the sheets together in correct order. And then if somebody's you know falls down, you know they're they're um, you know unconscious, I move it to the side on one side. And then if mm-hmm. somebody's got you know they skip a turn, like oh I'm going to delay, I move it you know to another side. And I just kind of keep track of it. It's very tactile for me, but it works right. Mm-hmm. And when we're ready for an encounter, I have that baggie all set. And so I grab the monster, and inside that bag is also that that particular initiative card. And so I grab it, and we'll use that. And that has been a very effective way to keep track of those things. But yeah, to your to your point, it's really more about the story, the fellowship, and the collaborative play yeah. than it is about anything that's on the table or on the screen, right? Yeah, we haven't. Uh, I miss I miss playing in person, obviously, of course, as we all do. Seeing other people is just human nature and uh, we've had a lot of benefit from moving to this virtual tabletop and my ideal world would be a way to have that instead of my dry white markers on the board and then you know somehow project it onto the table that would be my my career goal um but (laughs) i don't think that's quite trivial to do also probably hampered by the fact that we were playing at you know not not at my house so i would always have to cart my gear with me you know two big bags and oh danilo two bags would be awesome i mean when when we go up north to the to the cabin i mean i've got and that that's part of what i used to do is bring everything 
Mm-hmm. And then my collection became too great. So I needed an ability to just condense. So I only bring that which I need. So I, I bring all my elementals. I bring all my my, mm-hmm. my 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 creatures that could be summoned. Right, those are in in little little totes. Yeah. But I've got all these books, all these you know, in the terrain, all of that stuff. And there was there was a couple times we got snowed in, and we had to leave our our cars at the mouth and uh, and walk you know about a mile oh, and a half no. in. To the cabin and back, and uh, but you know what? It's 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 uh, it's fun, and we don't we don't have a lot of time for exercise, right? When we're sitting for yeah. hours and hours playing these <laughs> these sessions, uh, so it's nice to take a break, get outside. And I will say that that experience for me, and I, I, I know I'm kind of trying to weave in uh, here because we're trying to promote our app as part of this this uh, this dialogue, but. When you download the app and you play it, it requires no Wi-Fi, no no data to run. Mm-hmm. That's handy. It's, it's, yeah. it's all stored locally. So, it, and that was like by design because that's the way I like to play. I like to you know disengage when I'm physically with with uh, with all my um, compatriots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's is super handy because I must admit I've been caught short before either. As I was saying earlier on technical difficulties, uh, the Wi-Fi gets a bit spotty and I've lost all my monster stat blocks because a lot of them are online. And then it's it's it becomes a very obvious crutch that impedes the experience. Totally. You know, you, you mentioned Roll20 and Foundry <laughs> as, you know, online maps and kind of an interface to play. Right. And we live outside of that. Right. So because of licensing, our sounds can't be embedded in those kinds of, you know, jukeboxes or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we, we rely on, you know, having your phone connected to a Bluetooth speaker and then your 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 speaker you know, attached to a you know laptop or whatever. And it works, right? You just heard a couple of the sounds come through mm-hmm. and, and maybe they're a little bit grainy, but it works, right? It, it, they come through. And the other thing is the tabletop terrain i've got my laptop and my webcam focused down at an angle so that Mm. people people can can see it not 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 bird's eye view right not top down and so i'm I'm often you know telling people you know exactly where they are or whatever but like you said before there's been some limitation to it but at least we're able to move our stories along Mm -hmm. we're able to be together not physically, but in spirit, and and again, you know, working collaboratively on you know solving those those challenges and those problems that uh, that are within a module. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the one thing that again I, I have I want to talk to you a little bit more about is you, you mentioned at the beginning the terrain that mm-hmm. you make, and I can only imagine that adds quite literally another dimension to the <laughs> to the tabletop experience. I had some hangover stuff from my Warhammer days and some various little bits and bobs that I'd 3D printed for other board games over the time, but nothing what I would consider terrain. It would be more like a chest or a pillar or anything like that. So I don't know if you can tell us a little bit more about the terrain side of things and how that's made your experience better. What you're describing there would be considered scatter. And uh-huh. so scatter is actually a, just a perfect place to start. Like if your listeners are interested in, in, in terrain, I would recommend starting with scatter, right? So you've, you've got your board, your dry erase board, and you're putting in a pillar. You're putting in a mm-hmm. chest. You're putting in a desk and a table. You're putting in something 
that helps enhance that experience, right? So you've got your little figurines and those little pieces are very, very helpful visually. What I found was I started doing three-dimensional work and so building up with walls, but I quickly found a limitation there, especially for today's play where you're looking at through a webcam at, a, at an angle. So there's a gentleman by the name of Scotty McFarland, and he's known as DM Scotty. Mm -hmm. He's got a wonderful YouTube channel, and he walks through how to use very inexpensive material like cardboard and to give the flavor of a wall without building that three-dimensional wall up. That way your hands can go into the table area, you can move your figurine around, or with today's online sessions, you can you get the, the semblance of a wall, and essentially what it is... Danilo is a flat piece of cardboard, right? And so let's say the room is eight inches by 10 inches. Mm -hmm. Around that wall, you're going to glue in a one quarter inch piece of foam core that you get at the dollars. Yeah. And it's, it's the stuff that you would do like for a grade school report, right? You cut it into strips and then you pull the piece of paper off of one side you glue the other side to the edges, and what happens is because it's foam, you can then use like a crumpled up piece of uh, what you would say is aluminum, right? Yeah. Uh, to give <laughs> yep. to give some texture on that wall, and then what you do is you spray paint it black, then you just kind of gently go over with a little bit of gray, and now you've just created a dungeon wall. I mean, it is literally that simple. I mean, it's it's super quick, and it is so cheap that you don't feel compelled to store it. I mean, you can obviously, oh. mm -hmm. right? But you can you can create these things and just literally throw them away because they they cost very little, and it was very very quick to put together. Is my point? Yeah. If if, if it gets like crunched up in your bag, no one's gonna be crying about it. That's right. Yeah. So you don't have to invest in like, you know, like, uh, you know, I've got these, you know, these, these molds, these silicon molds, and I mm. mix up plaster and all that. I got really, really into it. But what I have found is, like I said earlier, that that's great for like a mob boss scene or whatever. But if it's just like a hallway or just a simple room or you're trying to convey, you know, so you go going to a you know, merchant area or whatever, mm -hmm. you don't need all that. You know, you, you can really get away with just a nice piece of cardboard with some faux finishing on it. Now, if you like the grids, then what you'll want to do is instead of using cardboard as your, your flooring, you'd want to use foam core. And what you would do is you would literally slice through mm -hmm. those grid lines, right? One inch by one inch. And so you make a pass with a blade, right? Mm -hmm. like a, um, a box cutter. Yes, and then, yeah. then the cool trick is to take like a mechanical pencil or a pen and scrape through it again and again and again. And then you'll want to use that texture to texturize. And you can put in cracks, just use a pen, throw in some cracks or whatever, and then spray paint it black, layer on your color. And then mm -hmm. a trick that I learned from another crafter, Black Magic Craft, what Jeremy does is he mixes up a, a Mod Podge. 
solution. Mm-hmm. And what happens there is it when it glues, it hardens. And the other trick is to avoid curling, is to turn the piece over and use a glue, like a 50-50 glue to water mix. And what happens is it saturates the paper, but then the glue hardens. And so it, it helps keep it in place, right? And then you can or you could use the Mod Podge on the bottom, yeah, right. So don't forget the bottom because otherwise, as the Mod Podge, you know, the paint dries, it might curl because that foam core is not incredibly strong on its own. It needs some enhancements, and so one of that would be like your Mod Podge or your glue, mm-hmm. your PVA glue mixture, and so that will actually pull it back. And so it's like these <laughs> two physics, you know, like that it wants to curl up. No, I want it to curl back, right? And so yeah, you know, you're, yeah. you're, 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 you, you need to lay the back. Yeah, yeah. I, we do have, uh, especially where I live and throughout the UK, quite large hobby stores and craft stores that will do all that kind of stuff. And yes. Yeah. Admittedly, I'm, uh, as I said, my previous experience was in Warhammer 40k, which a lot of the terrain is purchasable rather yes. than buildable yes which is my lazy man's way i mean still have to paint unfortunately which is i'm just like you my painting skills leave a lot to be desired so. uh, yeah I, you know it's interesting I've, I've gotten better and i'm pretty good with faux finishing because as hard as it sounds it's actually not it's that fine and you know my my being able to look at a figurine and really get in with the paint is a challenge Mm-hmm. But I play Gaslands, right? Osprey Games Gaslands, which is a really fun skirmish game. And it's using Hot Wheels or Matchbox cars and then making them look all apocalyptic and then running a oh, death cool. race. And what you do is you break the car apart and then you, you know, you spray paint it all black. And then that way you're allowed to full finish on top of that. And then you glue on pieces. I bought them from Etsy. If you've got a 3D printer, you can, you know, um, print off a lot of different weapons and different things that you can put on your vehicles. Mm-hmm. And man, is that, that's a fun game. And then you create scatter so that you can create your boundaries for your race. And again, I, I use the backs of uh, like the cereal box, <laughs> right? As, as a very thin cardboard, I use, you know, packaging from, you know, um, Amazon or whatever to, to get some cardboard. Cardboard's super cheap. I mean, yeah. so terrain is really, really helpful. And I would recommend just starting with the scatter pieces. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, especially after Christmas, uh, we had a house was full of bloody cardboard that we couldn't have got rid of quicker. <laughs> it, it always takes us like three three or four recycle runs to get rid of all that stuff. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, we waited for the, the bins to be taken and then filled it up again immediately the next day. So. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Yeah, so I've got another 3D printer coming soon, an upgraded one, which I'm looking forward to getting back into doing some higher quality that and, and scatter terrain and maybe get back on the minis, which is always a bit tricky. Yeah, but I mean, your doors are going to be really helpful, right? I mean, and, and there's lots of ways to... Wylock's Army is, is also another good terrain reference. Uh-huh. And he's got a system in which he lo- locks indoors onto his little set pieces. I mean, there's there's just there's, there's so much out there, and it doesn't take an incredible amount of skill. Uh-huh. And, I'm, and I'm not downplaying these guys at all, because... 
they've come up with some really great concepts. I'm talking about your average player or yes. game master who wants to do this, right? And it's also something you could assign to your players, right? If you've got anybody that's got any kind of interest in these things, hey, you know, buddy, could you mock up eight doors, you know, and mm-hmm. yeah, awesome, sure, you know, and here's some reference. So, I mean, you, you could all, it, this, again, everything doesn't have to rely on the game master because mm-hmm. I, I think too much does. Yeah, I agree. And that's the one thing I found with my players as their power level increases from, I mean, they're still in, I think, officially tier two, as it's called, they're only level eight. But even, yeah, six players at level eight out of 20, is, is how it works in fifth edition, is complicated enough. So I'm absolutely gonna think about giving them tasks and giving them roles, especially they, they would really benefit from a scribe you know a dedicated note taker because they are forgetful (laughs) you know uh you bring you bring up something else that that i want to share so as much as i ask a player to scribe i also know because i have the module i also know what's going on in terms of story arc and i know Mm -hmm. that we've got a larger network or whatever we're the lords and ladies of the nerdium is is our larger group and okay. so we've got about, I don't know, 25 people that belong to it. And so we've, you know, we, we pull down like who can, who can play this weekend or who can play, you know, the, whatever, whatever. Mm. And so what I do is I use PowerPoint and I have got an ongoing status report. And so on day set, et cetera, you know, this happened and it's just like the highlight and then I also keep track and post the magic items that were collected, the monsters mm-hmm. that were vanquished, the associated experience points, and I will take images and I'll also weave it in. And then I will convert it to PDF, right? I'll just print it as a PDF, mm-hmm. which condenses it, and then I email it out to everybody. So even if you weren't able to play and somebody played your character for that session, you are still involved in the storyline. And so that 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 is something that my players have become very accustomed to. And so it's just this this ongoing saga until that campaign ends. And then I'll we'll do a new one. Yeah, yeah. I, I usually do a DM's recap at the beginning of every session of broadly what happened. I I hate that. I hate that cuz it's like session 0 every time. And uh mm-hmm. and so I'm like I will send an email out to everybody, you know, sending that PDF out, right? The status report to everyone, asking them to come having read it. Mm-hmm. That, as you were explaining, I was like, I bet he's going to say that. And then uh-huh. immediately my brain was thinking, oh, <laughs> is that something I should do? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, listen, it's a collaborative thing. Again, why should it fall on the Game Master to start every session with a recap? Mm-hmm. That, you know, because I mean... I, I, I've been on recaps that last an hour and a half. I mean, oh, okay. that's just ridiculous, right? I mean, it's it, it should be and, – and I'm not saying you shouldn't do any of it, but, you know, high level, boom, boom, you should have read this. And, and if you haven't, grab your phone, pull up that email, and, 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 and look at the last things that just happened, right? Mm-hmm. Because I spent all that time doing it so that I don't have to explain it right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, to, to be fair, mine is usually like two paragraphs. It's it's usually about a minute or two right. of, of them indulging me. 
just purely to bridge that gap of them Absolutely. not having taken notes. Sometimes I'll have a player do it. You know, hey, you know, John, you were you were uh, you were at our last session. Give give the group a, a a quick recap while I'm doing some administrative work over here. Yeah, I see. I've heard arguments for both sides of DM recaps and player recaps, um, and pros and cons of both. Ultimately, sure. I heard with the DM doing the recap for various different reasons right. of, of benefits. Well, the PDF is the source of truth, so <laughs> <laughs> and no one can argue with that. That's right. You mentioned you also play, uh, kind of a shared DM role, but you get uh, plenty of opportunity to, to also be a player. Do you have any tools, tips, tricks to enhance your time as a player and not just as a DM? Hmm. Not really. I mean, <clears throat> the reason I want to play is so that I can sit back and experience it from the other side of the table, right? Mm -hmm. And... It's really fun putting a character together, right? It's really fun to invest the time and effort into the player character. And one of the things that we've done, again, I'm going to speak to 3.5, is there's there was so much material toward the end of 3.5 before they made their move to 4th edition. Mm -hmm. We opened it on Beyond Core. So I actually printed off all of the feats in all of the supplemental books and it comes to like, I don't know, like 170 pages of stuff. I mean, it's just, there's just, there's, there's like a thousand. Oh, uh, oh, 170 pages. I thought you were oh, going to yeah. say 170 feet. And I was like, oh, whoa, that's no. a lot. <laughs> no, no, it's closer to like a thousand feet in, in 3.5. Again, they just outgrew themselves, right? I mean, it was just like, oh, we could do this, we do this, we do this, we, you know, like, but I will tell you. That it's been really fun to go through that and like really, really make a a character that lives beyond Iron Will and an improved initiative, right? Mm -hmm. and, and just your your standard feats into like the you know some very very you know interesting ones, right? And so I can do that as a player, but I can't really do that as a as a game master. So I I, I would say that for, you know for me uh, as a player. I don't really have many enhancements. You know, true confession, one of the reasons why I like to play also is that I can drink more, right? <laughs> During game session, because I have to concentrate less. Yeah, right? It's sure. really great to just, you know, show up, sit back and have the story told in front of me and be, in, be involved, you know, marginally, okay? You can't, you don't have that luxury as a game master. I mean, you need to be on like all the time. And so... I like it. It's fun. And my players are very receptive to it because I'm very collaborative. But, man, is it nice to just sit back and, and, and play. Yeah, I feel you, man. I mean, I'm still riding my Christmas holiday of, you know, my DM break. And for sure. And uh, the, a DM in my other campaign as well, he's doing the exact same thing. So both of us are just kind of like on holiday right now, putting our feet up. And, yeah, you got to, as you said, it's a collaborative thing and the players got to put their skin in the game and stuff. But it's never anywhere near the amount of, you know, you, how wired you have to be as yeah. a DM, just like for four hours straight. Yeah, I wish all players game mastered yeah. as well, because they would understand more and I hope appreciate more the amount of effort that goes into running a good session. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
the preparation is unseen. It's like an iceberg, right? All you see is the stuff that's above the water, but all of the mm-hmm. prep that goes into it, 80% is behind the scenes. It's it's unseen, it's unknown, especially if you're doing terrain, right? <laughs> or, yeah. or you know, yeah. for me, you know, I'm making terrain, you know, to match that particular session or, you know, more recently because I've got this app, I've created some sounds that match our gaming session. Mm-hmm. And so th- that's like some new creative work. And again, it all just adds up to time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm drawing using online tools now to draw battle maps which then i have to import into the tabletop which then have to be you know set up with the monsters and so on and so on so yeah it's that would be i think we've eventually got there of one key enhancement a player can do is to maybe dm at some point because <laughs> it will it will inevitably make their playtime better because you can engage with your dm at a higher level and a more empathetic level yeah exactly yeah so you can you can you know what they're going through at that point at the table with them and you can meet them halfway a lot easier than just, uh, you know, being oblivious to a certain extent. I, I'd always encourage my players, if anyone says, oh, I'm, I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, please, please go ahead, if only because I'll get a week off. But <laughs> the worst thing that happens is I get a week off. The best thing that happens is you come out the other side and think, oh, my God. <laughs> No, you're right. It's it's it is good. And and again, I I don't want to you know have your listeners think, oh, he doesn't like to game master. I love game mastering, mm-hmm. but I also love playing. And so being able to do both, from my perspective, is a blessing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm fortunate enough to find myself in a in a similar situation right now. And yeah, as, let's just say I've, I've very much enjoyed my time off. And exactly like you said, like when you've come to play and you can just go hey i know my class and that's it and i'm everybody's happy and i can just sit here and enjoy this class in a kind of distilled purity whereas dming is this chaotic maelstrom of numbers and things and people and (laughs) yeah yeah i I, my hats are off to people that write modules you know that that write these these storylines right Mm-hmm. For me, I, I need to like see it on pay. You know, I, I, there, there's there's other things that I'm my creative juices are flowing for, and it's not that like I, I couldn't do it. I certainly could, and like I said, I, I will take a module and I, and I will I never just run it straight through. I've, I've always homebrewed it. I've always you know altered it you know mm-hmm. to, to to best meet our uh, our players. But but writing one from scratch is a, is a different kettle of fish. Yeah, it, it is. You know, I talk about, I've never talked about D&D and, and, and TTRPG, you know, and any more than most recently, because, you know, like I said, we've, we've launched this app. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, our friends and our family, like, know about it now. And, and so, I've t- <laughs> it is not an easy game to understand. It's not an easy game to just run through it's very very involved and it's and it takes a lot of intellect to do it right and so what i find is you know the groups of people that i best engage with are pretty smart people you know Hmm. (laughs) and it's and it's nice it's really nice i mean i i I just i miss the in the the face-to-face play i'll tell you yeah yeah tell me about it i went to a convention in november 
Mm-hmm. And they had to limit it, the number, and everybody's all masked up. They've got, you know, hand cleaning stations all over the place. And I'm sitting in the vendor space, and nobody's coming into the vendor's area to talk to us, right? They're, they are all so interested. I mean, people that are coming in from this, you know, to, to play, they were coming in to play. Like, they, they were – you could just, like – tell <laughs> it was palpable right it was just okay you know and as soon as one game was over like okay what are we gonna what's next right as a group I mean, you know, everybody's just salivating right to, to just yeah. physically Hungry. be together yeah it was awesome it was really cool and i look forward to that again right as as we as a globe right achieve some kind of you know herd immunity as vaccinations you know take place all this it's, it's going to come back and i think that that because our app while it will work for online, it really, really shines yeah, uh, in a face-to-face environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to using it in that environment, to be honest. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that cele- that global celebration of everybody just having a big blowout and doing everything that we haven't been able to do, such as play face-to-face. Totally. Um, and you mentioned there just, just one thing I wanted to say of talk about D&D and you know not everybody knows about it and it's kind of tricky but uh f- funny timing because my mum uh, we were on the phone yesterday and she went, did you know I read I read on tv they're doing thinking about doing a Dungeons and Dragons movie I was like yeah I'm, I know mum but I'm, I really appreciate you trying to <laughs> <laughs> trying to join me on my on this thing you have no idea about <laughs> yeah I mean I I'm almost 50. So I've been in, involved with, with D&D since middle school. And I've seen all these various you know iterations. And I went through that phase where D&D was just this devil worshiper type thing. And, and it's, you're right. My parents are engaged because they're, you know, my, my, my mom sent me a, a screenshot she got from Facebook because she's like a top you know, promoter of our, of our Facebook page or whatever. And she's really proud of that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, and she, you know, she's down in a, in a retirement community in Florida. And she's like, Oh, when I was talking to so-and-so's grandson and he plays D so I got him to download the app. And, you know, it's like, it's really cool. Right. That, that it's, that it's not like this secretive thing, right. That, you know, only crazy people do. Right. It's, it's certainly more out in the open. Than, than it as has ever been and that's wonderful yeah it's a the the hobby has enhanced shall we say to uh really put a uh close that circle <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely it's awesome is there is there anything you would like to talk about anything we might have missed in our in our topic of enhancements to the D experience well, I mean, we talked about my enhancements. I'm sure that there are other people like, why didn't they talk about this, right? But, mm. you know, that this is very personal to me, right? So yeah. to make my game more interesting, right, I started collecting more figurines. Then I started building terrain. And then I thought about, you know, like, man, the sounds would be pretty awesome. But there's really no good interface that dovetails in with the gameplay, right? So those are like the three things that I, I, I personally wanted to share with you today, Danilo, but I also, mm-hmm. as we were dialoguing, it also kind of was like, hmm, yeah, there's modification of the module, there's the utilization of those uh, initiative cards, you know, being able to, you know, package my figurines in a way that they're easily grabbable to keep 
the game flow, like, okay, guys, we're going to take a 15-minute break while I set this up and I look for those you know miniatures that I need. All of those things just really allow for a better immersive experience, which is mm-hmm. I think is the name of the game when you're looking at enhancements. How to make this more immersive, but yet not like a video game, not like an augmented reality or, mm. you know what I mean? Like you don't want it to be that immersive because let's face it, this is a tabletop role play game. This is a fellowship game. This is like a collaborative thing. If you want to be that immersive, there's some awesome video games out there for you to get into that mm-hmm. way, right? But I find that those are a little bit lonesome personally, right? Because I mean, I like the genre a lot, but I don't have all of the free time that I used to because, you know, I'm kind of running two jobs here. And so I I just love to just hang out with my friends, play the game, go through the challenges, be challenged uh, as a player. And, you know, the game mastery is already challenging, but just finding that magical blend, that magical air, you know, like challenge, mm-hmm. that, that tension through challenges and monsters and, and, and storyline setup, right, is, is just, it is so much fun. Yeah, that unicorn, that bottled lightning. <laughs> exactly exactly so we've obviously talked about the my sound delve app is there anything else you'd like to plug or tell us a little <laughs> bit more about the app and where it's uh, where it's available sure sure well it's available on both google and apple and you just type in my sound delve d-e-l-v-e which will be in your show notes i'm sure and try it for free Right, we put a bunch of free sounds out there for you to see, and it, what it is is not just sound effects, but it's interfaced sound effects. So, for instance, you know, I'm, I'm bringing up the app right now, and so I've got a character, Shethade, who is the sorcerer, and so uh, I set up a sound for his dagger, and let's say that he needs an 18 armor class to hit. All right, and he missed. All right, we just heard a miss sound. Okay, and then he's got uh, an ice storm spell that he casts. Okay, and so I set that up in there and. Eat our diamond rule. Can we do Gwinky? All right, and twenty-two damage. And so <laughs> it, it 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 literally takes that math off the table and. It, the Apple version currently allows for imported sounds as well as recording in-app. And so next month in February, we will have an enhancement on the Google side to bring that feature there as well. So it's unlimited personal sounds as well as our current 1300 sounds. I'm doing monthly updates. So right now it's going to be our monster update two. And so I've got 150 or so sounds that will be uploaded in so there's like dragon flyby account, uh, attacks. I've, I've included now gunslinger attacks. So uh, I know that's important. And then in March, we'll have multi-attack as a feature update. And then I'm introducing two months of sounds specific to wargaming. And so, you know, you mentioned Warhammer. Yeah. So I'm going to have a whole bunch of sounds in there for space marines and, you know, orc fighting and, and all kinds of 
stuff that would be important. And then from there, I'm going to roll into a big science fiction release, which is going to be great for us because we play Starfinder, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's, 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 um, check it out for free. Like I said, there's 1400 now with my sounds. But there's phrases that are in there. There's Foley that are in there, which mm -hmm. are like just background noises. And again, what we are not ambient sound. This is just for your combat or for a skill check or for casting a spell, yeah. right? Or, you know, one of the things that I play is a fourth edition based box game called Castle Ravenloft in which, you know, there's all you, you create your own little dungeon as you go along and then there's there's random monsters or there's a quest mm -hmm. that you're trying to solve. And I went through and I looked at all the cards that were in that game set and I created a scenario for each of those cards. Right. So one of them is a butler. So I record this is me, you know, it's, I, this is me um using that card Cyrus Bellevue from Ravenloft. The master said we were expecting company. Allow me to escort you to your chambers. So, boom, I just created that and, and saved it in there. And one, so one of the things, too, that this app enhances or allows for is a game master to record sounds in their, their own privacy, save them, and then pull them up as it's needed so they don't have to do some acting at the table, right? Mm-hmm. They can act like a buffoon. They can act like right, right, over super serious because not everybody is as comfortable doing that in a live session, but they could be more comfortable doing it in the privacy of their own space. So it allows for, sure. for that as well, right? Which is fun. Like I said, I just did that, that Cyrus Bellevue card for the game. And so it works really well. Yeah, I can imagine a table full of people all just dropping in their spells and their abilities and stuff as you go around the combat. Yeah, I can imagine it adds another dimension, a fourth dimension. Ooh. Yes, an oral experience. Yes, indeed. Yeah, more than just my dumb English voice, <laughs> which is what my players get. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've got some uh, English voices in there. I hired some video game voice actors to run through, and so one of them is... Uh, Bless this blade, right? And um, it's <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of uh, a lot of fun working with voice actors, you know, video game yeah. voice actors. And you know, one of our one of our uh, voice actors was in one of the Star Wars movies, you know, Diablo, Neverwinter Nights, mm -hmm. lot, lots of lots of good stuff. Awesome. Well, excellent. I think that that pretty much brings us to the end. So cool. thank you ever so much, Christian, for coming on today. It was my pleasure chatting with you, Danilo. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, to everybody listening at home, thank you all for listening. If you have any thoughts or comments, you can find me on Twitter. Otherwise, thank you all and good night. <laughs>